What do you get when you mix ex-presidents, red hot chili peppers, and acid in your mouth? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex Duez. I'm Thomas Green. And today we are talking about one of probably my top five Keanu Reeves performances of all time, and that's Point Break. Um, this is a movie that is directed by Catherine Bigelow and is like the most 90s movie that exists. Now see I disagree with that. I think this is a movie from that point in the 90s where they hadn't figured out they weren't in the 80s anymore. <laughs> this is to me this is a very 90s pretending to be the 80s or the 80s trying to predict the future sort of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, this this movie transcends time. It's timeless. <laughs> it's timeless Jesus in fact. Christ. Um <laughs> But before we talk about Point Break, we have to talk about some trailers. Um, I want to apologize, guys, that we've been lapsed for the last couple weeks, but that means we have plenty to talk about in the yeah. in the way of trailers. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the the absence at the end. Yeah. Um, um, but we we have a we have a stack list right now. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is uh, probably Doctor Sleep. Um, yeah. That's the one I watched most recently, just a moment ago. Yeah, fantastic um, looking. Um, yes. It's got Stephen King's praise, which, mm-hmm. I mean, in the same day that Stephen King went on social media to praise this movie, um, he also used social media to insult the shitty Under the Dome TV series. So we know that he doesn't just give it out to anything with his name slapped on it. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, it has the uh, the benefit of having Ewan McGregor, and I'll watch him do basically anything. Um, he can he can sell any any he, movie to me practically. He can be in a pure shit movie, given a pure shit performance, and I'll still come out of it going, you know, I'm glad that I got to watch Ewan McGregor in something. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I you know, I felt that way coming out of the live action Beauty and the Beast. You know, oh, I was yeah, like, this true. is a shit movie, true. and I don't know what the fuck he was doing but he's still delightful yeah you know i i always had a thought about beauty and the beast the live action movie is if ian mckellen and ewan mcgregor had their roles switched i think that might have been a more interesting movie and and ian mckellen didn't have a horrible french accent i agree (laughs) i 100 agree i think you're right i think I mean, there's about 50 million other things that would need to be done, including someone at Disney going, you know what, guys? Just don't fucking do this. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that would have made that movie better. Yeah, but, I mean, he's he's never not incredible to watch. Um, well, he's especially, he's at his best when he is playing realistic, psychologically stunted or damaged people. Mm-hmm. Like Young Adam is a perfect example. Yeah. The one everyone thinks of is transpotting. Um, you know, it's he. Those are his. That's his bread and butter. Yeah, that is where he excels, and that's clearly the kind of character we're getting with this film. Yeah. So that alone makes me excited for it. One of the worst sins I've committed in the last five years or so is not seeing uh, Trainspotting two yet, and I I promise I will see that eventually, but. Um, no, this looks good. Um, it looks interesting. I'm getting, as much as I am getting Stephen King shining vibes, I'm getting 
Stanley Kubrick vibes as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it um, looks like this person knows to kind of meld the two yeah. and make sure that they're being an homage of both, not just one or the other. And yeah. I think that's what's going to be critical. I think the biggest challenge this movie is going to have is I think because of things like um, it and all of the all these like conjuring multiverse yeah. movies and stuff like that. People are expecting fast pace, mm-hmm. and that doesn't look like what they're gonna. Uh, this looks like a movie that's gonna be a slow boil, yeah. Which people are not used to with horror movies these days, it, and I think that's gonna be the thing that is gonna hurt it the most. Yeah. But I think that's also gonna be one of the things that makes it better than 90% of the films that come out. Watching the trailers, I actually had feelings of, um, like, hereditary. A little bit, yeah. Like, I can see that kind of slow burn, because definitely you would put hereditary into that same Oh, hereditary is a slow burn. (laughs) It's been how many weeks since we watched it, and I feel like it's still still going on. Yeah, it, it it is the uh, the Catholic Church service of horror movies. It's just it is a slow slow burn, complete with you know food prep in the fucking hallway. I stand by that what the fuck moment. Um, but yeah, this is again probably won't probably not a movie I'll see out in theaters because I'm a you know giant baby when it comes to scary movies. But um, I'd like to say that I'm gonna see this in theaters, but I also usually can't afford to go see movies in the theaters. Yeah. I, I go, like, every once in a blue moon. Um, well, I mean, we still haven't seen one of our most anticipated films of the year, and it's been out for two weeks now. Give so. or take, yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't seen Rocket Man. Um, I still haven't punished myself with Dark Phoenix just to be able... <laughs> I'll, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, full disclosure. Don't hold back. I want to go see Dark Phoenix the same reason that some people go to uh, funerals for distant family members. I want to make sure the fucker's dead. <laughs> I want to make sure this shit's dead and buried. I don't I don't want to find out this is a trick and it still lives. Yeah. yeah. I want to make sure the fucker is dead and I can bury it. <laughs> Let's let's get past this X Men franchise that never once knew what the fuck it was doing. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we'll have an issue with that. Yeah. Um, but the next movie that we uh, that I'd like to talk about is um, the trailer for Lady World. That um, most people probably haven't seen this trailer. Yes. Um, no, they should definitely go out and watch this trailer. This this is one hundred percent. This this is a movie that I will see mm-hmm. when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, no question about it I will see this it looks I can't even describe the trailer I watched the trailer because it randomly popped up on my recommendations on YouTube yeah and I watched the trailer and I think I immediately texted it to you yeah because I just was I was blown away by it Mm -hmm. I by the end of the trailer I knew I had to experience this film in theaters and the the thumbnail makes it look like something like Spring Breakers, but as soon as it you, does, yeah, yeah, as soon as you click on it, it it becomes something very different. Um, it, it is a very creepy, very effective indie film with basically completely unknowns. Um, yeah, it's from what I've seen, and it it looks like the film is going to be carried on the backs of their performances, and from what I, we can gauge from the trailer, the performances. Look very very strong. Carry that fucker right through. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I don't even know how to describe the film mm-hmm. in terms of what we can expect or what it's going to fully be about. Yeah. It just, it is a pure enigma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does it without trying to do it. Like, I feel like the trailers for Midsommar, yeah. um, they're really trying to be like, ooh, this is so mysterious and so confusing. And this guy really likes going, look, that person's disfigured. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has a weird obsession with using them, like he's yeah. making a sequel to Freaks or something no, like it's, that. It's... Um, but they're really—he really kind of—they for- really force it with his trailers. But yeah. this one, it feels very natural. The the mystique that yeah. surrounds everything—you're not sure if these women are being held captive, or are they willingly, or are there you know, if they're held captive, are they there by someone who is off screen, or by someone who is kind of manipulating the situation. Um, it's a very strange trailer uh, that people should definitely check out and, you know, um, talk to us about your opinions on it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, please talk to us. We're lonely. Um. <laughs> the uh, the next trailer that I'd like to talk about is um, Onward, because I tweeted out this basically. This trailer happened when we were recording our last episode. Yeah, we were in the middle of recording when it dropped, I believe. And um, it looks like a Pixar movie. It looks like it's going to be I'll, good. I'll, I'm going to be completely bluntly honest with you. I completely forgot the trailer because it's Pixar, so the teaser trailer, no need to remember it. Yeah. There's no point to remember it because here's the thing. The the, the teaser trailer, from, from my memory, is our main characters in their their world. Yeah. Which means that when we get the next trailer, it's going to be the movie's going to be about how these characters are thrown out of their world mm-hmm. and are trying to get back to their world. Yeah. And the kooky adventures that happen. So every, basically with the exception of those two characters, everything that the teaser was teasing us on will not be a core part of the film. Yeah. Therefore, it's worth, it's not even worth, you know, they, like Pixar, with Pixar films, it literally it's come down to the point of teaser trailers are one of three things. Either complete goofs, mm-hmm. like with uh, Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. I still remember being sold on going to see that movie by the teaser trailer that was playing in front of Harry Potter, where it was Mike and Sully playing charades. Okay. And them getting more and more, getting more and more frustrated with each other. And then it, and then it was like, or no, it wasn't even a teaser trailer. It was like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a teaser trailer because it was like, Playing in a theater near you. Okay. And then, and then changed. Like, really near you. New, like, right next door. Like, and, it did, and literally, we saw that, and my dad and I both thought, we are in the wrong theater. We should be in that movie watching that, because that's yeah. clearly the better movie. Yeah. So you get the ones... No, they're, com- they're complete goofs. Um, you get the teaser trailers that are... Uh, piece of the film mm-hmm. that's made into a teaser trailer like with Coco or Wally. Yeah. And then you get the teaser trailers that are teasing a chunk of the movie that you're that you're not really going to get to see or enjoy. Yeah. Um I I know that the 
the cars ones are always that way. They always show it's always about the racetrack racetrack stuff, even though he's really going to spend most yeah. of the movie not do like somewhere yeah. else entirely. <laughs> and basically, it literally to me is like, if you are one of the first two options, you're going to be a good Pixar movie. You're worth going to. Mm-hmm. If you're the teaser trailer where if you're promising, if you're <laughs> you're promising. The teaser is about teasing something that's not going to be a major part of the film. You're not going to be a good Pixar movie. You're not worth watching. Yeah. Um, this uh, teaser looks fine. It's basically the the most hype or most excitement I have for this film is because it stars Tom Holland and uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus and uh, Octavia Spencer. Um, but we've seen. Like, we've seen these movies of taking a strange world and making it the norm. Like, we've seen it with Smallfoot. We've seen it with uh, Hotel Transylvania to a, like, that's taking the monsters and normalizing them and making the humans the the villains. Well, see, what I think this is going to turn out to be... That it's going to be, like, bright. No, it's going to be Escape from Planet Earth. That, uh, the Rob Corddry, Brendan Fazier alien movie. Okay. Um, I think it was Escape from Planet Earth. Maybe it was a different... There, there were like 50 million alien-themed mm-hmm. animated movies that came out all at once at one point. But <laughs> I the, the one that was Rob Corddry and Brendan Fraser, um, I think it's going to be that one. I think it's literally going to be they go out into the world yeah. and Chris Pratt's the big, bold, brass one and Tom Holland is the like awkward... Nerdy. Ner- one, yeah. Nervous one. And he gets stuck having to be the hero because his brother's been kidnapped and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be that formula. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it's going to be. I think Octavia Spencer is going to be... She's going to be the villain. She's going to be some government person who's trying to undo the the magical world. Yeah. Because um, she seems it's... to be on a, on a villain kick right now to try to... <laughs> Try to show that she can be something besides sassy black Oscar contender. <laughs> um, she was the least of the three leads in Hidden Figures that should have been nominated for an Oscar, and she was the only one that fucking was. <laughs> to this day, go fuck yourselves, Academy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just going to wait for another trailer for Onward. It, it looks like an interesting enough premise, but so did Bright, and so did and you know any of these other Which movies. Which one's Bright? Imagine. That's uh, the Will Smith, like, every, there's mythical shit in the world oh, on Netflix. Oh, that, that, that Netflix movie. Like, why did, wait, I'm just you kidding. actually watched anything? No, I didn't the, watch Bright. No, no, I'm saying you watched any promotional material for that and thought, this could be okay. <laughs> I, literally, it's like, hey, if you like Joel Edgerton, you're Joel Edgerton, <laughs> so you'll like this movie, because you're in it, but everyone else, hey, no, the gift it's that. Is pretty good, the gift. It's that dude who literally can't do a single accent, including his own, so you don't know where he's from. Um, speaking of animated films, uh, you have not seen the Frozen 2 trailer. The I have second not trailer. Seen, I have not seen the Frozen 2 trailer. I have not seen the trailer for Frozen. I have not seen Frozen. I will not see Frozen 2. <laughs> These movies can go fuck themselves. Let Kristen Bell be doing something of actual worth. <laughs> Um, I didn't know your animosity towards Frozen. I am, why the why the, uh, why the hatred of it? Okay, so writing sloppily throwing together an entire movie around hey we've got this song that somebody wrote that's 
basically guaranteed to win an Oscar solely because our name is slapped on it. Yeah. Because that's all Let It Go is. A song I've never actually fucking listened to <laughs> fully. I've heard like... <laughs> I've actually... The most I've ever heard of it was this hilarious YouTuber who put did like the putting it into Google Translate to a different language and then translating it back into English yeah. and singing it. And so instead of it being live, Let It Go, it was Give Up. Um... <laughs> That's the most I've actually heard of the song, so I don't know the actual lyrics. Um, but, no, it's it's that whole concept of making... Like, it's just... It's a whole movie where... It's... Tr- it's kind of like trying to get people who, who, are, who claim to be big fans of Beyonce to name, some, uh, name a song beside one of her singles. Uh-huh. Trying to get somebody to explain to you what's empowering about the female characters in Frozen is adorable because they get so <laughs> tongue-tied because they can't figure out what this is. Because they're like, well, it's it's showing that you, you only need independence, well, and your sibling, but you, you know, you don't need a man, but it's, you know, if you have, you know, shut up! I like the song! <laughs> Olaf is cute! <laughs> It's that like it's one of those empty, empty movies to me, mm-hmm. and you get like it. Also, I wanted to bitch slap people because Moana came out and everyone was like, "She just it's her version of Let It Go." Is that song? Cunts, Let It Go is just part of your world from Little Mermaid. <laughs> no, you're fucking Disney. Well, I have a proposition for you. We're gonna I'm not go, watching we're gonna go see Frozen movie. 2 no. together. <laughs> no. And you know why we're not going to? Because I don't want to get banned from any of my any of the theaters in this area because the parents got sick of me throwing out obscenities at the screen while watching this movie. Don't worry. We'll watch Frozen and then we'll go watch Frozen 2. I'll turn, your, I'll turn it around. No, it's um, not fucking happening. It's not... Okay, my wife is a huge, mm-hmm. huge Disney fan. Yeah. She thinks Frozen can go fuck itself. And she's <laughs> actually heard the Let It Go song. Yeah. So the fact that she as a giant... Like, literally the other night... We have... Because you put on there, we have the, the Little Mermaid on the yeah. Movies Anywhere account. Yeah. She still wants to make sure that she owns whatever 30th anniversary Blu-ray they come out with. Mm-hmm. Because she loves Little Mermaid. Yeah. But... Frozen can go fuck itself, even by her standards. So, I don't think Frozen's completely devoid of entertainment. <laughs> the only thing that I appreciate the first Frozen for, and I'm totally spacing on his name right now, and I feel terrible, mm-hmm. but it's because I'm so hot and bothered about the bullshit, um, is it gave work to um, to actor the guy who played Greg on Crazy Ex Girlfriend in the first two seasons, okay. and now is on Broadway performing the lead in Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Amazing actor, phenomenal singer. At least they gave him some work. Yeah, he plays the the whichever dude is a douchebag gotcha. in in the first Frozen movie. Yeah, and the fact that they gave him work, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but that's well, it. just based on that, you gotta watch it. No. Um. <laughs> I'll go on. I'll go on YouTube and just type in his name in Frozen, and I'm sure somebody's condensed his entire performance <laughs> into one YouTube clip. Speaking of movies that we don't really want to see, uh, there was a trailer for Ad Aster, which um, 
Is that even how you pronounce it? Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Can we call it Ad Aster? Ed Asner? I just... Can we just call it Ed Asner? That's more interesting. I just keep thinking of the the director of uh, Midsummer and uh, And Hereditary. Yeah, Yeah, like Ari Aster or something like that. Yeah. Um, But this is a movie starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, I think. I watched about half of the trailer and blacked out. I watched Um, all the trailer (laughs) and I couldn't remember when I was talking to him who was in the movie. And then... He mentioned Tommy Lee Jones, and I was like, oh, yeah. Man, Space Cowboys was terrible, but still looks better than this. (laughs) It seems like a sci-fi film that has the technology of present day. It is how it was described, how it was interpreted to me by another podcast I listened to that talked about this trailer. I... I think... That is the most interesting idea that this film has going for it. Um, but yeah, I don't have many thoughts on this, this this trailer in particular. This movie, this is what it looks like to me. It looks like taking Interstellar and Gravity, mm-hmm. two intensely overrated shitty movies, yeah. um, combining them with the pacing of Terrence Malick, and then coding it all in, like, Ambien or Tylenol PM, maybe both, <laughs> and then shoving it down your throat <laughs> as painfully as possible. Yeah. That's what that movie looked like to me. This this movie looks like Brad Pitt is starving for an Oscar nomination this year. Well, between his Quentin Tarantino film and between and and this and whatever else he might be producing and being the white savior in this year, like, he he will get an Oscar nomination well, come hell or high water. It's, I guarantee you his paychecks are officially showing mm-hmm. that people officially don't give two shits who he's fucking anymore. And so he's got to get at least a nomination to get his price quote up. I guarantee you it is cheaper <laughs> than ever to get a Brad Pitt. It is probably the cheapest it has been yeah. since Legends of the Fall. you know as long as as long as he doesn't get so cheap you could hire him for as much as they hired him for Thelma and Louise as long as he doesn't get back to that pay scale he'll be good once he gets down to that pay scale he's gonna leave Angelina Jolie I don't know for who maybe he'll leave her for Leonardo DiCaprio and that'll be the big plot twist I don't think they're together anymore him and Angelina Jolie yeah they've been separated forever who the fuck cares (laughs) Literally at this point, just because I think it would be interesting, I want the plot twist of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are gay and hook up, like Grace and Frankie style, like the, the husbands yeah. on that show. Yeah. I want that. I think that would be hilarious. I mean, if there is a movie that's going to break Avatar box office records. Oh my God, it's... can we have that movie? Can we have a movie? And make it like, you know, like the 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 Coogan, Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Bryan, I forgain his last name, I feel terrible, like those, like the trip and the yeah. trip. To, can we make it like those where it's, it seems so realistic, you're uncomfortably unsure if it's actually what's happening? Like you went to, like, I came to go see the new Brad Pitt movie. And instead, I think they accidentally are showing me his home videos from his honeymoon. 
I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Are they gonna fuck? I don't want to watch them fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, it's be better than Ad Aster. Well, yes, yeah, no, I am. Yeah, Ed Asner. Um, is there any other trailers that you'd like to discuss? Because um, I watched this trailer. I uh, it's called Them That Follow. It looks absolutely amazing. It's got Walter Goggins, who phenomenal actor and very nice man. I actually got to meet him around the time of the end of uh, The Shield. Um, got to chat with him for a few minutes. But nice guy, phenomenal actor. Yeah. Getting all the work he should be getting right now. Mm-hmm. But it looks fantastic. Um I'm far more excited for that than Midsommar, and they're definitely in that same vein. Yeah. Um, Because it's very much like cult living in the middle of nowhere. Gotcha. Um, And the the fallout of defying the group and sort of stuff. Very, very interesting, very disturbing. Um, Just calmness from everyone. Olivia Coleman, fresh off her Oscar, is in the film and looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really doesn't... It looks like the sort of movie that the Academy would be too scared to give nominations for, but if they weren't, would be a big Oscar season contender. Gosh. So. Awesome. I'll have to check out that trailer at some point. Um, now to talk about an incredible film, and that is Point Break. Um, I you said you hadn't watched Point Break, you know, from start to finish so in, my, in a long, long time. My version of watching Point Point Break, in complete honesty, mm-hmm. is someone in my dorm is watching the movie, and I'm over in the corner sitting at a table doing homework or yeah, like playing a playing a game on a Game Boy or something. Yeah, like. It's on, but I'm not paying any real attention to it. Gotcha. But it exists in the room at the same time as me. That's been my version of watching it in the past. Watching it in full made me realize just how much I do not understand or actually contain masculinity. <laughs> either, either this movie is something beyond masculinity or this is what masculinity looks like. And I know I am not masculine now yeah. for sure. <laughs> but, but you're not answering the question. What did you think of this film? I thought the question was that you, I thought we were just clarifying how much I'd seen of the movie. Uh, um, but no, but in terms of seeing the movie, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's it fun. Yeah, it's, it's fucking fun. Like it's <laughs> keep, keep going. <laughs> Do I, do is I it need perfect? to give you a minute? Is it a perfect film? Oh, God, no. No, it's certainly not a perfect it's damn film. close. It's, um, it's almost too close to but, be... But, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy the... I thoroughly enjoy the characters of... Wow, I'm totally... I'm totally... Keanu Reeves' character... Yeah, Johnny Utah. Utah, that's... Yeah. Uh, he's Utah. from... His Give last name, his <laughs> last name's Utah. He's from Ohio. He lives in California. I, the, it's very fucking confusing. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed Utah and Brody for the like Bodie. seventy yeah. Bodie for the like seventy percent of the movie that they were a consistent character and yeah. not changing for the sake of the plot. Yeah, 
I I enjoyed those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I yes, seeing Catherine Bigelow's name gave me hope during mm-hmm. the opening credits. James Cameron's name made me a little nervous. Um, <laughs> I one hundred percent believe that the shower girl was his idea. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah, I one hundred percent believe that. Um, yeah, I. She's really? used it as a human shield later, so probably oh, his idea. Um. Well, hey, that, the one girl <laughs> takes like half a clip from a semi-automatic machine yeah. gun to the back, and she gets up and she's just walking around later with no bullet holes, like nothing ever happened. That, yeah, you know, whatever the workout routine was for those ladies, it works and it's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, I told you um, when we were, you know, texting and talking about doing this film that this movie is just going to be an exercise in trying to not quote it the entire time because this is, I I would love to one day sit down and have a list of like the most quotable films in my mind because high at the, at the top is like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, um, Young Frankenstein. If Gene Wilder is in it, it's a good chance it's quotable. Yeah. Um, Clifford, for me, which we've talked about on this podcast before. Yeah. Point Break when- is really fucking high up on that list. Really high. <laughs> Dude. Utah. Give me two. He, the fact that Gary Busey has to reiterate like three times in the scene. Utah, I want two. Utah, there's a really good sub place. Give me two of them. Utah, give me two. <laughs> It's well, like my favorite I, part of the film. <laughs> well, I, no, I love I love the fact that with with any with any other actor, you probably would have just got it. You would have gotten just you would have gotten something that seemed more human. Mm-hmm. But with Gary Busey, you get a guy who literally seems like he he's like hiccuping and restarting <laughs> the dialogue. Where it's literally just like where they're like, oh shit, Busey's in a loop. Busey's in a loop. We better actually get him these sandwiches <laughs> so that way he can actually get past the loop and get to the rest of the scene. I mean, that's that's one of the best scenes because they become they go from two pretty okay cops most of the time to two of the most incompetent cops. Ever. I I literally Gary Busey's laughing at his newspaper and can't bring it, bring himself to look at anything else in his surrounding area. I <laughs> I literally wrote during the scene with Keanu Reeves. Being super friendly, getting the sandwiches yeah, and the lemonade and the lemonade. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> the whole thing, like, and he's you know he's getting that order. Meanwhile, in the other half of the shot, in the background, they're running out successfully, mm-hmm. having robbed yeah robbed the plate. And I'm seeing that going. Wait, am I supposed to think this is funny, or is this the point where I'm supposed to go? Yeah, we can kill these guys. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel bad anymore. Like. Whatever terrible things are about to happen to these guys, that's okay. I don't care. Um, um, the, be- the beginning of this film, the opening credits, I think, are one of the funniest things because it looks like a like an actual 80s, 90s like cop procedural show. Like It has oh, yeah. the same credits. Um, and then for some reason, it goes from a full screen of these credits and then Utah walking into the police station and then we get the first close-up on Keanu Reeves' face mm. and it goes to Letterboxd. And then we're at Letterboxd for the rest of the film. It's a really weird switch. Um, but we get so many 
We get an awesome cast in this. Um, no, we do. We get Keanu we definitely Reeves, do. we get Gary Busey, we get Patrick Swayze. Um, and I was thinking about it. John C. McGinley. Don't Thank fucking you. forget Thank John you. C. McGinley. Sorry, I always blank on his name. <laughs> I literally, gonna... literally, my second note is Cox in all <laughs> capital letters. Yeah, it's just gonna, I'll, I'll just refer to him as Scrubs Boss <laughs> for the rest of the podcast. Um, but it, it's uh, a great cast. I don't remember Tyler's name. Um, the romantic. Lady, oh, Lori Petty. But but she's great as well. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, and the most thankless job in the whole movie. But she does a great job. With yes, it. yeah, she does. Um, until she has to, she goes from being one of the most competent people, like d- dealing with Keanu Reeves and his bullshit. And then just becomes the damsel in distress in the last 15 minutes. That kind of sucks. But, uh... It, yeah, it does. It's, it's um, in service of the film. Um, yeah. But we we get to spend the next hour and a half to two hours with a lot of likable f- people. Um, I was... To a fault, though. To a fault. Why do you say that? Well, I definitely, like, at one point I, I wrote, like, am I supposed to actually think it's anyone but Swayze who's doing the bank robberies? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I actually supposed to think, like, oh, yeah, it's the Nazis, which, <laughs> by the side note, not to get what inevitably will be perceived as political, but I really miss the 90s when you saw Nazis and they were evil, and we knew we were supposed to not like them. I miss the days when we just looked at Nazis and went, you're a bad person. I miss those days, but I backtrack. I mean, um, rational people still think that Nazis are bad. Well, yes, but, yeah. but the general, like, overall consensus, like, yeah. you didn't have to spell it out. Yeah. Um, I did... I, I did kind of have to, like, tease, like... When they have the big intro for Bodhi when he's surfing, mm-hmm. I literally wrote a great intro for not Swayze. <laughs> like, for the props to all for Swayze for all the great stuff he does. Like, the, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's a skydiver makes us have that great yeah. shot of him going backwards out of the plane. That's yeah. a, an actual real shot of him jumping out of a plane. But yeah, I like. You know, I I put that in, but I did point out later, like, it's, you know, it was the early 90s. It wasn't like it was easy to hide that it's a stuntman doing the surfing. You know, it's basically impossible to do that. I mean, that's, you you get, you know, even now, even watching this on, on Hulu where we watched it, you're still watching a better quality Mm-hmm. than someone watching it on VHS in the 90s, which is how most people were watching this film. Yeah. And you can, yeah, you can see pretty clearly that most of the time when they cut to their stock image of, of someone surfing, if it's not Keanu Reeves falling off the surfboard, it's a stunt person. Yeah. Um, well, and that's actually, that's something that I'd be curious to to know is, is like when you were watching this in the theaters when it initially came out or if you were mm-hmm. watching on VHS after... Um, you know, was it as obvious? Yeah. Could you tell as easily as you can now with yeah. high definition that the per- people you were looking at were clearly not the actual actors? Yeah. Even now, though, that that doesn't take me out of the film as much as as much as they cut to stock image of of someone 
surfing and I'm like that's not Keanu Reeves it's not John Wick where I'm invested in it and I'm, it's not Mission Impossible where I'm invested in it because Tom Cruise is doing practical stunts well, the fact that Patrick Swayze can't really surf doesn't take me out of the film in any capacity well and I mean for me I watch a lot of old movies where they're constantly cutting to stock footage mm-hmm. and it's blatantly obvious <laughs> like painfully obvious um and it's always entertaining because of its stock footage of Africa, especially like African tribes people. Yeah. You hope they cut back to the stock footage since the stock footage is not blatantly racist. <laughs> but yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't take take it out of the movie for me either, but it it's still you still notice it. You're still like, yeah. "Oh, look, it's just it's a stunt. Dude. It's a dude like 20 <laughs> years younger than Swayze." Yeah. Um okay then. Um, so I do, I do see what you're saying where everyone's a bit too unlikable, but the fact that no, we, too likable, this is sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we get introduced to the ex presidents, like that is such a fucking awesome, this, this film is just full of gimmicks that just work. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. I, I love all them as the ex presidents and when, you know the guy who's got Nixon on is like oh, I'm not a crook like he, you know he yeah. puts on the voice and everything they all do actually um, they all do really yeah yeah. like it's just Nixon has the most obvious yeah different voice the, the only person who's not doing a voice is Swayze mm-hmm. um I think really just because there's and I mean you yeah you can't take Reagan's voice seriously. Yeah. That's why people were so impressed when they actually <laughs> tore down that wall because <laughs> you hear him and you go, okay, well, Gorbachev's laughing and not actually going to do it. And then it actually fucking happened. But, um, yeah, no. But again, this movie for me, it was a lot of like confusion about the concept of like, so apparently there's something masculine about not eating the skin on chicken. I literally, he'd like, he's like, you don't do this, you don't do this, da, 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 like listing all yeah. that stuff, and he goes, I take the skin off the chicken, sir, good man. And I was like, wait, what, what, what do I not know? What have I never that was, heard? That I, was more a health concern than anything else, but well, then it's like, I, in the very same scene, he just stuffs his face full of a donut, and then... <laughs> but, but, well, it's kind of a brilliant, like, at the end of the whole, like being a yes man at the very end, like a little fuck you of like, yeah. don't think you're, I'm actually like, I've given you what you want. Now I'm going to be me sort of thing. I did like that. But, um, yeah, but I was literally, it was just like, I get it. I'm fat, but literally how have I never heard about this concept? <laughs> if this is still a thing. Um, the, the, well, then we very quickly get to meet Gary Busey's character who is fucking, He's he's speaking for the audience when we're wondering why FBI agents are diving to the bottom of a pool blindfolded <laughs> to grab bricks. Yeah. But that I, gives us the best introduction of him ho- wearing the blindfold, and he's like, ah, "I'm dealing with some high school uh, quarterback punk. You know, they think they can stick me with them." And he like pulls off his blindfold, and he's like, hey, "I'm the quarterback punk." Like that. Yeah. When that he introduces himself as quarterback punk, <laughs> and you, you see Busey's reaction, you're like, "Oh, these guys are gonna be good friends." <laughs> Well, that's good at least. So yeah. why are we doing this shit with the bricks? Oh like, yeah, no. Well, it literally made me think the whole movie. Like, okay, so at some point in the movie, they're gonna, like, what? They're gonna Busey's gonna have to save Keanu by pulling him off the bottom of the ocean <laughs> with 
<laughs> and it's gonna be like the brick train. I was like, it's gonna pay off, right? It's gonna pay. No. It never fucking pays no, off. No, really, never pays off. Really, we're just <laughs> we're just fucking with people. Like, <laughs> like they found out that they do this to them, and they thought, well, that's fun and weird, and <laughs> it's an excuse for a blindfold. So let's do it. <laughs> we can't have him with a blindfold and have Keanu standing in front of him at Target practice. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's great because then we get the two scenes, basically, of, like, fake frustration with each other. Like, Busey's, you know, frustrated he's stuck with the young guy. But then as soon as he hears out his uh, his theory on the bank robbers being surfers, funding their endless summer, they both jump on, on, jump on desks together and they're <laughs> like, woo! Like, it's fucking great, man. Keanu has his one <laughs> Bill and Ted moment. <laughs> in the whole movie in that moment which I and that that is one of the extra things I really enjoyed about this movie was the Keanu Reeves really did pick a, a great movie to be his like middle finger I'm not Bill and Ted you know yeah. the, everyone be excellent to each other guy anymore mm-hmm. like I've I've moved on you're gonna have to come along with me yeah or else the there's a there's a moment in this film that, you know, obviously, uh, we haven't had Matrix yet by this point, but he gets the, I know Kung Fu, part of uh, Matrix in this film, and it's when Tyler successfully has him, like, pop up on a board, and he surfs, and he goes, I'm fucking surfing! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that part. <laughs> I love this entire film. This is He's, just going to be me gushing the whole yes, time, so it's if you want to... It's Go gonna, for criticism. Listen to Tom. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we're gonna do some criticism here. No, actually, I wanna. First of all, I don't care if it's a real place. Patrick's Roadhouse. That was a shout out. I don't care if it's a real fucking place, which it is. I looked up. It is actually a real place. I don't fucking care. It was a reference. It was a. Th- it was a little throw. Yeah. Um. Our hundredth episode is gonna be broadcasted from from Patrick's Roadhouse. <laughs> we'll be doing yes. We'll be doing Roadhouse from Patrick's Roadhouse. Recording the episode, trying to dodge all the beer bottles from people <laughs> wanting us to shut the fuck up and stop being the latest. Why are you asshole? talking about fucking movies? Stupid shut fucking up. podcasters always want to come here to talk about that stupid fucking movie. <laughs> um, no, I going back to some the to something I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. The only thing I want to see more than my the parts of this movie that I truly enjoyed is I want to see. The conversation that goes, hey mom, I got the shower girl role in Point Break. <laughs> really, what's it contain? <laughs> oh, I flop my tits around and yell at people. <laughs> Good job, honey. I, I need to see how she was uh, listed in the credits, because if it's not shower girl, then... I'm 98% sure it was shower girl. <laughs> I think I looked it up just to make sure that I knew that I was saying it saying what she was declaring herself as in the movie um because i just thought that was so because they like they showed the whole like silhouette of her and then i don't know if i was supposed to but i completely forgot about her yeah and then all of a sudden here's naked girl well, you would have forgot about her if, if she didn't if the sh- a shower wasn't shot out and you fucking see her completely naked a couple minutes later yeah so. and then <laughs> yeah that's yeah, but it, it was just, I, it's one of those things to me of, like, I want to hear her explain, like, 
at that point, your your parents have to be asking what your backup career is. <laughs> they, they have to be. <laughs> like, that's really, like, I went to go see the movie, honey. Are you sure you don't want to be a vet? <laughs> I hear vets make very good money, and they get to keep their clothes on. <laughs> And you could still be a vet out in L.A. You could end up helping Patrick Swayze's dog, and then you're still doing stuff with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Speaking of Patrick Swayze, man, I just, I had to, like, I was thinking about this while watching the film, and we were fucking robbed. Like, fuck cancer, because, like, cancer yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah. But um, Patrick Swayze died in 2009 of pancreatic cancer, and he was 57. And he's only a year, give or take, younger or older than uh, Kurt Russell. And mm-hmm. we are, like, robbed of his legacy roles, like Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that, you know, Kurt Russell gets to fucking yeah. be, like, crazy in. Um, well, you know we would have gotten some fantastic movie. We probably would have at some point gotten some fantastic action comedy starring Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. That will oh, be yeah. coming up around now. Oh yeah, like, like we yeah we'd be getting some fantastic stuff mm-hmm. if he was still alive today. Yeah, um, but like uh, Swayze is just fucking awesome in this film. He's him and Reeves are arguably probably unarguably the best parts of this movie. Um, my favorite part of this um, movie. Fuck is, you, shower girl. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of this movie is how. Instantly, everyone falls in love with Keanu Reeves. Oh, everyone loves this. Him. Is Johnny Utah, Ohio State? I, like they, they're playing a football game, and he knows every fucking detail of this man's life. That's, no, that, and that was the thing. Because at one point, I was like, he introduces himself to to like the little asshole kid is uh, introduces himself as Johnny Utah, and I just thought you're undercover. Should you really be using your actual name? He and went then, to law school. They don't know anything else and about then him. And they started introducing him. Like, they, they just suddenly go into the bio. Because at one point, I swear he had mentioned... Like, when he was giving his, like, half-fake, half-true backstory to Lori Petty. And he yeah. mentioned football. And they start talking about his career as a football player. And I was just like, okay, wait. So, was, was that part of his backstory true? Or did he, did he fuck up <laughs> right out the gate? Like, is this the fastest that somebody's <laughs> fucked up an undercover gig in a movie? Like, is this like Psycho? He dies halfway through the movie. Because that would be fantastic. no, no, man. He was, he was, he would have went fucking pro if he didn't mess up his knee. Which we get to, you know, we get to use that excuse whenever he takes the takes the jump off the off the wall to to follow uh, Swayze. Yeah, which, by the way. <laughs> Just because he's landing on water does not mean it's not going to make his leg fucking kill. Like, the point when Swayze says that, I just immediately thought, how are you allowed to jump out of planes? How are you a surfer? And you think, oh yeah, going from this height, hitting the water is going to be softer than hitting the ground. Like, yes, by a tiny fucking margin at yeah. best is that true. <laughs> um, no, but everyone instantly falls in love with Johnny Utah, except for Tyler. Yes. When he first meets her. I love when he goes to the restaurant and he's like, can I get shrimp and fries? And everyone falls in love with 
Keanu Reeves in this movie so quickly that I'm pretty sure if the cook had poked his head out and saw it was Keanu Reeves, he, he would have pulled the, him back there. He, he would have gotten the meal for free. <laughs> he would have pulled him back there to show him how to make shrimp and fries. Yeah. He would have spent all day trying to trying to show him how to fry it and up. And then would have found out that he already knew how to make it. But, and, <laughs> yeah. No, it would have been a whole thing. But yeah, Tyler's uh, Tyler puts up a good fight. That Tyler lasts puts all up of two scenes. Two scenes. <laughs> yeah, literally two scenes, and then the next moment they're in a room full of candles, and I literally was just like, "Oh, they're gonna fuck." <laughs> but I was confused because I was like, "Wait, so is she with Bodie or not?" Because I legitimately couldn't tell. Hey, man, it's fucking free love. They're just surfing. <sighs> they're just having fun. No, because like, see, that's the thing is that if they were if they're full on hippies, I never would have liked them as characters. I would have been like, "Yeah, fucking kill them, <laughs> fucking kill them." Like have like shoot a hole in their parachutes when they're skydiving. Yeah, um, but they're not hippies, no. so. I actually kind of like them. Um, <laughs> I the the weirdly enough the the part of this movie that is the hardest to believe for me the hardest part is that what cracks the case, no pun intended, is seeing a guy's ass yeah. from like twenty yards away <laughs> and recognizing it as the ass in the cam in the camera feed yeah. The fact that that's the moment where he goes, I know who did it. Like, that to me is the hardest thing to believe. The, it's. I might break Duez before this episode's over. It's it's like in uh, in uh, my cousin Vinny. Where he's like, you got it, the case cracker, me in the shower. But it's actually, that actually is what cracked the case. Um, <laughs> that the, the amount of times we have to see that bank robber, his ass in particular, is excessive. We, we see it at least twice. And, and I only remember it the two times, but that's about three times I'm, too many. <laughs> if it was a we, nice ass... I wouldn't care. We Show it as many times as you want, but it's not that impressive. It's, it's, you know, it's... It's not it's shower, a six. Yeah. It's a six, maybe a seven. No, not even a seven. Six and a half tops. We're, we've seen so many asses and so many Buseys in the last two movies that we've talked about. We really have. I'm starting <laughs> to... We, we're getting into a really weird pattern with the, the movies that we're watching here. The least believable thing for me about this whole film is that... Johnny Utah is an FBI agent. And I don't mean Keanu Reeves is pretending to be an FBI agent, is acting like an FBI agent. I mean Johnny Utah is shooting at a car in public, is running through people's homes, is pushing over elderly people as he's chasing Patrick Swayze, has no regard for public safety or we, concern. We live in it, in our own weird ecosystem of how the world works in this film in so many ways. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, it is a world completely devoid of any sort of reality. Um, cause I mean, we also were going with the concept of the, the moment near the end of the film when it turns out there is an off duty cop with a gun. Yeah. How you've been robbing banks for years mm -hmm. and this is the first time. That you have had somebody with a gun that's not on your team yeah. be in 
be in one of the banks and decide to take action. Yeah. Well, that's like that's, I, I. It's so hard for me to believe that. Th- that is the part of the movie where people start to turn into people they have not been throughout the entire film. Yes. Swayze wants to, you know, Bodhi wants to start taking unnecessary risks. He wants to go into the vault. Um, he sends his friends into the vault. That's what ultimately gets his friend killed. That's what mm-hmm. gets a cop killed. That's what gets a civilian killed. Um, we get, um, I mean, then we get Bodhi. Like, Bodhi turns into, he goes from this guy who is, you know, he just wants to phone, fund his endless summer, and he's not trying to hurt anyone. He wants to get in, get into the bank, get out of the bank, and just get enough for him and his friends to survive. And it's and it's about the thrill of it too. Yeah, um, and we, which is why they never get greedy. Like it, it all makes so like the their methodology all works great. But then, yeah, starting in that scene, he suddenly turns into cliche movie yeah. villain. Yeah, and this is, I I don't, I don't hate the turn because. It is very much like, hey, you can have your fun, but like, he his greediness and selfishness and trying to get what he wants or needs more than anything else mm-hmm. is what causes the downfall of him and his group. It's what kills everyone else in his group. Yeah. Like, all of his friends are shot and killed by the end of the film. Um, yeah. You know, we... God damn, I watched this movie and I... We're, this... we're essentially left to theorize if he kills Rosie or if Rosie does really get killed in a bar fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, that's... We're left to kind of wonder that. That's um, the story that he gives um, gives Johnny Utah, but... Um, well, it's the, the story that Johnny Utah gives uh, as what they determined it to be. Gotcha, gotcha. But you can't, you can't, it feels kind of like he's mocking him, like mm-hmm. he's like he's saying some stuff that they both know is bullshit. Yeah. Um, fuck, I've watched this movie a couple times, like, more than a couple times, but uh, when I was watching it the other night, you know, for us to talk about it, I got all the way to the end and I fucking forgot they killed Busey. I was like, God damn it, I forgot he fucking died at the end. Like, I was so upset. How did, <laughs> Literally, I saw Gary Busey's name in the opening credits and I was like, as long as he survives, as long as he dies <laughs> later in the movie than he did in surviving the game. As long as he makes it, as long as he's not first man out like he was with that movie... <laughs> That I can like that's fine because like I I knew he was gonna he's Gary Busey's in the yeah. movie so he's gonna die mm-hmm. like it's just what he does like <laughs> he has he survived in a movie before maybe you know someone let me know has he has he been in a movie where at the end of the movie he was still breathing when the credits rolled <laughs> has that ever actually been a thing I'm, I'm I legitimately sure. wonder that this film. Did give us one of the best robot chicken skits ever. I don't know if you're a fan of robot chicken. I'm a fan. I I must have missed this skit though. When Keanu Reeves is in the plane with the, with the group and he's like, "Are we gonna jump? Or are we gonna jerk each other off?" And then they you know ultimately jump out of the, out of the plane. The best robot chicken fucking skit is like it's it's all of them in the plane together and he's like, "Are we gonna jump? Or are we gonna jerk each other off?" And then you just see the exterior of the plane and the door closes. <laughs> and then it just cuts to the next bit. It is so fucking funny. 
Um, the, See, I, I like I like the idea more of like they all look at each other, they look back at him, and without being able to see like anything above the the tops of their shoulders, you just hear four zippers. <laughs> the um, <laughs> um, one of my favorite like scenes of the film is after Roach jumps. And he's the one who got shot in the stomach yeah. after the botched uh, bank job. And he, he is, for some reason, trusted with all the money. Um, when he's clearly bleeding out and will not make it to the ground. Yeah, so he like, won't steal it. <laughs> exactly. I honestly, it's part of the whole Bodhi is suddenly a completely different person. Yeah. Is he's entrusted with all the money, A, because Bodhi is basically putting the weight of what's going on symbolically and literally on him. Yeah. And B, they, in the writing, needed Bodine to not have anything, so that way Keanu could do the whole skydive on top of him yeah. thing. Yeah, Which I literally put in all caps, what? Yeah. Well, it... when When that You're moment happens. crazy. <laughs> I, the, the, literally, that moment happens, and I just, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, if I was seeing this in a movie theater... Mm-hmm. And I had spent fourteen dollars. I would I would probably be wishing that they had a more lenient refund policy. Because, <laughs> um, god damn it! Like, well, I like I was saying, it gets us to one of my favorite scenes where um, Roach is dead on the ground and his parachute has opened up, and all the money is just fucking blowing away. Yeah, and I I just love that scene that. That shot, I think, is actually really effective in a in a pretty easygoing, fun film. Like that was actually pretty, pretty good, pretty yeah. effective. See, for me, the best shot in the whole film is one that they used for like half a second. That they clearly had filmed much more of it, which was when um, Bodie sets the the gasoline on fire when he has the pump. Oh, yeah, and there's like the shot that's like it's like panning around him while he's holding it yeah. out and it, like I see the shot and I was like that's such a fuck cut back to it <laughs> and then it was over and I was just like that was easily my favorite shot in the whole movie yeah. and it's in there for half a second and they could easily have given it more time yeah well when Bodie and and uh you know Johnny's after after Bodie and they're they're both running and you see like an explosion from the gas station yeah and I'm like cut back to the gas station there's still cool shit going on back there like you literally just cut to the sky like a fucking again it's explosion. one of those moments that I'm just like are you trying to be funny or are you not being self aware enough to know that what you just did is more a comedic moment yeah that like that seems like the sort of thing that would be in hot fuzz not parodied in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Like that it would just one hundred percent be from Hot Fuzz as a as an independent gag, not a parody gag. Mm-hmm. Um But I have I mean I've I've got a question as someone who's a fan of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, I do I do have a very serious question. Yeah. When we like up until up until the point where Utah gets kidnapped and has to go in the bank robbery with them. What does Bodhi have to be worried about? Like, what... If Utah showed up with cops and arrested all of them, what would they actually have on them or as proof or anything like that to be able to... to use against them? Yeah. Because even... 
even if they were to be like, oh, we went through the house and look, we found all these masks. That's still circumstantial. Yeah. It's still completely circumstantial. Like, literally any lawyer could just be like, yeah, these are surfer dudes. You know, they got these as goofs for a party that they went to. They went to a party as the ex-presidents. Yeah. To, like, to symbol, symbol you know, symbolize the fact that, yeah, they're, they're not the ones doing it. But they support them robbing these banks. Yeah. So, you know, but they don't, con- you know, they aren't the ones doing it. It'd be easy and, like, they have nothing on them. They have nothing to be worried about. No, they don't. But we are also viewing this from a 2019 perspective where there are so many law and orders and criminal minds where people have a more familiar knowledge of the court system and, and, police procedures and procedural show, like procedural shows like that where we can come to that conclusion or have those thought I don't think the typical audience member in the 90s is thinking that way yeah and that's I, I, mean, I don't think it's something that they they thought through well and that might the, be that might be writing. another thing that might be another thing that would be interesting to to find out from somebody who went to go see this in theaters when it initially came out. Yeah. You know, like, were you aware of how how there was no case against them yeah. at that point? Yeah. You know, was that something that was common knowledge or was there an actual thought of, holy crap, because he saw the one guy's ass, that's it. They're going to jail <laughs> for life. Like, um, Yeah. I, it, did, it did make me realize, though, watching, watching Point Break the, the other day, is... You can stop any woman in her 40s or 50s in the street, at work, whatever it might be, and say, what's your favorite Patrick, uh, Patrick Swayze movie? And she'll have a fucking answer on the spot for you. Yeah, go. <laughs> no, dude, Dirty Dancing. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. one of the two. I, I, you can split even money, it's going to be one of the two. <laughs> I was um, working and I... I was uh was waiting on woman and I was like, "What's your favorite Patrick Swayze movie?" And she was like, "Oh, Dirty Dancing." Like it was, did, it was there was a tongue like a, and then just, you know, just Dirty Dancing. Just, okay, came right out of her mouth. <laughs> speaking speaking from the view of being a fat person, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if you could fix the odds on that from being a 50-50 spread of whether it be Ghost or Dirty Dancing yeah. from the standpoint of. What is that person's athletic prowess? You know, like you're, you know, you're, you're actually, you know, you look like you're active. You look like you do yoga. What is it? Dirty dancing. Dirty okay. Dancing. <laughs> you look like you're somebody you don't like to get up that much. What's yours? Ghost, where he, where she just had to sit in front of the clay. Okay. You're, uh, you're artistic. Yeah. In quotes. <laughs> you love ghosts. <laughs> no, if you're, if you're, "Quote unquote artistic," and you have a favorite Patrick Swayze movie. It's Donnie Darko, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> what is your favorite Patrick Swayze movie? Ooh, my favorite Patrick Swayze movie. That is a tough decision. Um, partially just because I'm totally spacing right now. If it's him in the movie Keeping Mum, there's this really weird movie, and it's um. It's Maggie Smith plays a woman who may or may not be a serial killer. Okay. And she becomes the nanny for a priest played by Rowan Atkinson. Okay. And there is a... And, um... Totally spacing on her name, but she's a fantastic... 
She's a phenomenal British actress, and I'm totally spacing on her name right now. But she plays the wife, and this guy is constantly hitting on her. And and I think it's Patrick Swayze. But the guy is hitting on both her and her daughter. Okay. Um, and the daughter's like intensely promiscuous, but in a very... And it's highly comedic, the sort of thing. Yeah. Very funny movie, and it's one of those... If it's Swayze... I could remember if it was Swayze or not, but <laughs> it's one of those performances from the guy who's doing that role that's very unique, very different. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that yours is Point Break. It For me, it is Point Break. And, I mean, I, you know, it would have made my day if you had been like, no, fuck that, dirty dancing, dude. <laughs> Don't put baby in a corner. Don't fucking do that. Um... No, I don't really think you can go wrong, you know, with your, uh, it is, he, he is in Keeping Mom. It is him in Keeping Mom? Uh, okay. Yes, he's very hysterical in that movie, because he, like, because he's trying to be, like, it's, it's a very sleazy sort of guy character, which is not what you ever think of. Kristen Scott Thomas is the actress's name. Okay. Um, it's very much a not normal performance for him. Across the, like, beginning to end. Because he's, you know, he's a dark comedy villain. Okay. In the movie. So he's very, like, comedically over-the-top sleazy machismo dude. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, when, you know, things aren't going his way anymore, he suddenly is this, like, whiny little bitch of a man sort of thing. And it's fucking... But it's one of those movies that's really good that nobody saw. Yeah. And shame on everyone for not seeing it, because it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um... So that actually, in a weird way, is probably my Patrick Swayze gotcha. favorite film. Well, I'll have to check it out at some point. Yeah. Um, no, but this is this is my favorite Swayze movie. It's my favorite Catherine Bigelow movie. It's probably it's like I said, top five without a doubt. See, favorite Keanu Reeves movie. It, it's it's cliche, but my favorite Bigelow is Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the. And the thing for me is like, and that's understandable. That's a better yeah. film. Well, and what it what this I is always, just more fun. Yeah. Well, and what I always tell people is because you know a lot of people they look at Hurt Locker as a war film. Yeah. Pro or anti, depending on what side you are on and how you feel about the movie. Like, if you're a pro war person and you didn't like the movie, you view it as anti war. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. It's not a war film. It's a film about addiction. Mm-hmm. Like, it is entirely an addiction film, like Train Spotting or um, just any any film that's about somebody dealing with alcoholism or drug addiction or anything like that. It's that's what that movie is. Yeah. It just happens to be set in war, and yeah. his drug just happens to be diffusing bombs, yeah. like the thrill, like the the life or deathness of diffusing bombs. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. Well, I'll definitely have to. It's I I've seen most, if not all, of the Hurt Locker around the time that it came out. But that's, I mean, we're quickly approaching. That has to be ten years ago now, or, or give or take. Um, oh God, I can't. I I think it was twenty ten that it came out. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, all I know is it two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Okay. Or, yeah. Over ten years ago now. I knew it kicked at. Um, I knew it kicked. Avatar's ass. Yeah. Um, which, good. Uh, seriously, if you're excited for those sequels, you're not allowed to comment on movies. 
you probably haven't seen a single movie that's good and liked it. <laughs> you probably thought Jaws was boring. You're just wrong. <laughs> Always wrong if you're excited for those sequels. Plain and simple. <laughs> Speaking of Jaws and other movies, you have some movies um, to well, talk about. No, I'm not, not speaking about I've, Jaws. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm not done with Point Break. I've All got right. I've got one more gripe about this film. One and more gripe. I, as far as I'm concerned, nobody can defeat it. It's it's too short. There's not enough sequels. We should have had. We should have spent ten hours with these characters. No, we did get sequels. They're called the Fast and Furious fucking movies. <laughs> All right, we did. Fuck yeah. Yeah, no. Fast and Furious. Is Point Break with cars and no charisma or likable characters. Uh, that is what Fast and Furious is. This will be our segue into um, movies. But no, but no. Um, I mean, I hate it for that reason, yeah. but it's not really its fault. But no, the the end of the movie is shit. Not literally, and literally all you have to do to fix it, take out them fighting. Mm-hmm. Have them stand there talk to each other. Yeah. Have Utah understand, you know, like have a, have them each have a weird, like I can never trust you now and I hate you, but I respect you and I understand what drives you sort of conversation. Yeah. And then not as a stressing last minute decision to let him go. Yeah. He just lets him go. He just lets him go out into the water and then we see like another cop come up and they knew like have it have it not be for the 85th time that they let this like at a certain point Utah doing things not by the book and mm-hmm. not the way you've told him to do things is your fucking fault yeah because you kept letting him like have somebody I don't care it doesn't have to be John C. McGinley yeah but just have somebody come up. Even, it would also honestly be just as much fun to have Lori Petty. Yeah. You know, have Tyler show, you know, come up and the, you know, them talking and then, you know, maybe a, you know, a cop comes up of like, can we arrest him now? Like when he's done and walks away. Yeah. You know, and you can still have all that stuff because it just, the whole like having them have that fight was so empty to me. Yeah. It was empty. It was unnecessary. It didn't feel in character. Yeah. Like, maybe if you had had Utah really want to fight to get back at him for Tyler. Yeah. But, you know, Bodie wouldn't fight him mm-hmm. because that's not who he is. That, that Maybe that would have been interesting. But to have them fit, you know, have them have that stupid little fist fight together. Yeah. Before what actually should have been happening in the scene. Yeah. Meant nothing to me. It's, it, it seems... It seems of the time, like it, it, to me. True. It it seems like the fight at the end of Mission Impossible Two, like what is already an exhaustingly long film at that. Well, point. I'd say more the the fight at the end of. It was the, the cliche that you had there for a while of like, movies over, movies over. Not, dude, still here, guys. <laughs> let's fight. You know, as the way it was with Lethal Weapon. Yeah. With Gary Busey. It's like, the movie's over, the movie's over. No, Gary Busey's still here, guys. They have to fight now. Yeah. Turn on the sprinklers, because it's not going to rain. So turn on the sprinklers. Like, it's that whole thing of, like... Yeah. It, it was the thing you did for during, like, the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. I, 
I, I don't fault the movie for that. I understand the criticism of it. We didn't necessarily need the fight scene. I feel like the only reason we have one is to get Utah in the position of power over Bodie to then give have the choice of, I'm going to let him go. He's not coming back in from the waves. Like, But what's... What's different about that in that moment than when he was able to shoot him mm-hmm. earlier in the film and chose not to? It's literally giving him that same choice again yeah. and him making the same choice again. Yeah. Like, it's literally just rinse and repeat. Yeah. I... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a valid criticism. We don't need the fight. Um, I don't hate it, personally. I... I do think the end of the film, um, when he has the short uh, back and forth with the with the other cop, and he's like, "There's cliffs on both sides, not going anywhere." It's like we'll get him when he comes back, and then you know we get the awesome Keanu Reeves line: "He's, he's not, not coming back," <laughs> and that's you know that's the problem. And we see and we see, and we see in him and we see him like wiping out in that big wave out yeah. there and. Yeah, we know at that point he's basically dying yeah. out there. Um, but, I, I mean, it does feel like from the minute they show up at the plane, mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie, the momentum just feels off. Yeah. Like, they, the, they, like they hit a wall, and they're stumbling trying to get back to the momentum that they had. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the movie's over. I don't know if I read this or dreamt this or completely made this Please up. Please dream it. But I feel like... <laughs> no, my dreams about Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves are much more disturbing. Um, <laughs> I feel like the the scene in, you know, in Australia, in quotes, okay. like, was just added on. Like, it doesn't feel like a part of the film. It feels like the, the film ended when Keanu Reeves and, and you know, uh, Johnny and Tyler get back together, and and uh, Bodie drives off. That feels like the end of the film, and then it feels like a weird epilogue for us to then catch up with him when he's about to catch you know his final wave. Well, no, it makes it because he talks about it earlier in the movie. He talks yeah. about that wave, yeah, um, and knowing the location of it because everyone else thinks that they know where the best waves are, and then he's like, no, this is the best wave, yeah. Um, and talks about how it's like the ultimate, and you even kind of get right in that moment, you get kind of his, you kind of get the feeling that he has the mentality of like, I'm going to surf it and then I'm going to let it take me. Yeah. Because of his connection to the sea, like he's going to give himself to the sea to the point of literally like, I'm going to die and let my soul go into the sea is like a thank you for what it's given me sort of energy. Um, and I'm, I'm not, like you said, it just, the, the ending of the film just has a weird momentum to it. It has a weird pacing. And I, like, I do feel like it's part of it. I feel like there's a very real possibility in my mind that there was test screenings where the end of the film is him and Tyler getting back together. And, the, you know, they add on, we need to have some more resolution with Bodie and, and see him, you know, catch that wave and, and you know, see him get his, get his just desserts, basically. The funny thing is, I think, you know, I, I do, like, I, I feel like I did read some, something about an issue with the, with the movie that had to be fixed, Mm -hmm. 
in terms of like what people liked, didn't like, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was that though. I can't remember what it was, but I don't know. It's it's just it's a weird. There's a lot of movie, a lot of the movie that to me is just weird. <laughs> um, that doesn't, you know, stuff that for one reason or another about that ending that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Like, it's I know this is a, this is a very loved movie. Yeah, I know this is a very very loved movie. I would never in a million years try to. Um, Tried to do anything, you know. I would never try to dispute any of it <laughs> too vehemently. The uh, I was working at the theater. I don't know if you were whenever the remake came out, and it, like you, you always hear about people upset that they're remaking Karate Kid or they're remaking this or remaking that, and they're ruining their childhood. Like I was one of those people who felt like personally fucking attacked when they <laughs> said they were remaking Point Break. I I wasn't shocked um, because what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're trying to market off of the whole st- stupid thing, like if you're gonna if you're gonna make shitty films to compete with Fast and the Furious, it's that it's that cycle thing. It's the same thing that happened with Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing that happened with Indiana Jones. You get something that is kind of the the core baseline of a genre, yeah. And then you get a bunch of movies that come out and do the same thing or do things slightly tweaked, yada yada yada. And then you go back to that thing, whether it's the fourth Indiana Jones or the remake of Evil Dead or the remake of Point Break, and you get a movie that comes out, and even though it's part of the original zeitgeist in some way shape or form because that that genre yeah you know cabin in the wood genre you know like globe trotting expedition adventurer thing like whatever it's been done to death so much that when you get back to the original there's nothing new to tell there's nothing new to do yeah um so you end up with movies like the Point Break remake, the Evil Dead remake, and the fourth Indiana Jones that have nothing to offer. Yeah. They're just these empty movies that just feel like recycled, you know, just feel recycled, serviceable recycled at best, and yeah. just complete garbage, repetitive garbage at worst. Yeah. Um, but what are your, uh, what are your final thoughts on, uh, Point Break. Would you know? Do you recommend people see it? Do you? It's a good movie. It's a fun movie. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're someone that you know you like action movies, you like, um, you know you like that you know that like Lethal Weapon era of like taking two dysfunctional juxtaposing people, throwing them together in a situation movies. Then absolutely, you should see this. Um, yeah, like if that's your if, those, if that's the kind of movie that you enjoy watching, this is going to be fun. You're going to have fun with this, and you should watch it because it is a fun movie. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I've already sang its praises. 
enough. Uh, yeah, if you ended this with saying, like, nobody should watch this movie, <laughs> I... I ended with... A, you know, really? Didn't love it that much. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't know who you were anymore, and I'd be scared to continue doing this podcast with you. Point, <laughs> like, just point blank, the reality of it. Um, yeah. But you have some movie news that you wanted to talk about? Um, and video games, it seems like. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I do want to mention, for uh, anyone out there who does listen to the podcast uh, and hasn't heard this yet, to my fellow clone clubbers, uh, keep your eye out. Uh, they are going to actually be doing an audio series continuation of the television series Orphan Black uh, with Tatiana Maslany returning to voice her lead. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I just read about that today. I'm very excited. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite television series. Uh, it's one of the few television series that I actually own all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an exceptional series. Uh, they have the whole series on Amazon Prime if you've never watched it, and I recommend you do. Uh, whoever you are, whether it's someone listening or Duez staring at me, not knowing what to add because he's never seen the show. Um, not even sure who Tatiana Maslany is, I'm guessing. Um, for for the layman... She plays the orphan, right? Mrs. Yeah, Black? Yeah, I am going to slap the bitch out of you. Um, no, a lot of people... Uh, the, the, that was one of the best jokes on <laughs> Not even my joke. I don't remember where I heard that, but no, this is one of, uh, one of my best jokes. Oh, that's sure. Um, you're way too. You're way too proud of that, man. You're way too proud of that. I'm an easy audience for myself. Yeah, you are. Um, uh, the the number one thing I can think of the Tatiana Maslany is in that most people would have seen is she played she did two episodes of Parks and Rec as a doctor who um, Tom Haverford gets a thing for and I think the third season maybe the fourth I can't remember um, but excellent excellent stuff um, maybe the fifth season. I can't remember. But she's she's in two episodes of the show. Uh it's the most likely it's usually with anyone that I know that's what I point to to get them to go, "Oh, her." Mm-hmm. Uh phenomenal actress. Absolutely phenomenal actress. So, anyone who's a fellow Clone Clubber, be excited for that. Um Tarantino in all of his infinite greedy stu- stupid ego bullshitness uh, informed everyone a day or two ago that he's almost done writing his Star Trek sh- script, mm-hmm. which I assume is basically it's done with whatever lazy, not an actual plotness is in the writing. Yeah. I assume he just has to figure out how he can write himself in as a guy who's constantly saying the N word. Um, I assume that's stop. all that's we, missing. We need to stop giving Tarantino so much fucking airtime on this, on we this need podcast. To- Good point. Um, um, nobody should go see that movie. So moving on from that, um, <laughs> the one thing I am weirdly excited for is the uh, the screenwriter for Coco, which is one of my favorite Pixar films, is mm-hmm. going to be working with. I think it's Netflix for a Narnia. I don't know if it's a Chronicles of Narnia series or miniseries or or what, but it's someone attempting yet again to do Narnia. Yeah. Which I've read those books, and the biggest problem is the most interesting character in all seven of the books, without question, 
is the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, I every every other character is incredibly boring and stupid <laughs> and pointless. Um, I read those books. I don't know why I did. I don't know how I got so. F- I don't know how I got through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember almost nothing from them because they were incredibly forgettable. Yeah. But I loved Coco, so I'd be willing to give that a try just because of that. Um, I personally have not had a chance to watch it yet because um, I have not been in the right frame of mind to sit through this. But uh, when they see this on Netflix, it is making one hell of a cultural ripple through the world right now. Um, For those of you who have yet to hear about it, it's the Netflix um, miniseries or documentary um, about the Central Park Five. Okay. That um, they were convicted until DNA evidence exonerated all five of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just what that whole experience did to the the five, those those poor bastards um, everything that they went through that they shouldn't have had to go through mm-hmm. um, but it, like it's literally like I think today somebody who was involved with from what I understand somebody who was involved with the uh, the prosecutors like stepped down from their job that they had teaching law somewhere yeah. because of this coming out and just it re- resurrecting shame in them yeah. for what they did. So it's, again, I'm in the right frame of mind to watch something that intense, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of intense stuff that I've been wanting to watch like that. Chernobyl, um, things that are kind of heavy and you need a palate cleanser for, I haven't been in the right state of mind, but definitely we're going to watch them and discuss them. Yeah. I've been rewatching Farscape on Amazon, <laughs> which I, I fucking love that show. Um, I've been rewatching that because that's I can sit there and be like, "Wow, they're really in a pickle." But luckily, I know it's all going to work out okay, so I can just uh, I don't have to worry too much about it. I can just laugh at the funny jokes that Crichton makes. Um, but then, of course, uh, the big thing that's happened uh, since we've been gone is E three, yeah. uh, the big uh, video game expo happened, and. Uh, I mean, we didn't really talk about it too much on here, but most of what we predicted came to pass yeah. with it. Um, it was a it was a relatively predictable year. Um, funnily enough, the biggest surprise I would say at E three this year was Keanu Reeves. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it, is of it is the year of Keanu. It is the it is the year of Keanu. And God damn. He's got John Wick 3, Toy Story 4, now he's got a video game that he's, I think the, it looks like he's the villain of. I don't um, know if he's going to be the villain or if he's going to be some, like, your ally in some well, capacity. Well, he's talking about burning the city down. It's a very villainy th- thing to say. Yeah, but he wants to burn it down with you, so. Yeah. I'll, I don't give a fuck if, he's I a, I mean, if his intentions are good or not. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. Yes, even if he's the villain, <laughs> I'm doing as he tells me because I'm not an idiot. But, um, yeah, no, he's he's on a mega hot streak right now Yeah, that he's just E3 riding. was very kind of predictable predictable and a little boring this year. Um, me being a Sony PlayStation fanboy, um, there... You didn't have much to... To care about. Yeah, I mean, PlayStation 
stepped away this year, um, which for better or for worse, um, they're, they, they didn't go so that way they can see what Microsoft did so that way they can be like, okay, we need to copy what worked and then mock what didn't and try to do the opposite yeah, exactly. of that. That's literally all it is. I mean, I've had off like every Monday for E3 to see Sony's press conference for the last, give or take, 10 years because um, they are typically the curtain call mm-hmm. um, final show of E3 and then you get Nintendo's epilogue Tuesday morning. Um, there was some interesting things. The, the most exciting thing was definitely Keanu Reeves being in Cyberpunk uh, 2077. Um, and just showing up to smooth. Just, yeah, to just, just showing up. Be his charming little prick of a self. <laughs> the, the memes that have come out of there. Like, the fact that there are people who I know that I know are not gamers who are sharing pictures of Keanu Reeves with the, the caption, you're breathtaking. Like, it is something that has just permeated, like, See, all of pop culture right now. What I like is people showing shots of him in the Matrix, the one of the Matrix, I don't know if it's Path of Neo or Enter the Matrix, but one of the Matrix video games that mm-hmm. came out for the PS2. Yeah. Beside the, yeah. the shot of him in Cyberpunk. <laughs> Just showing, like, the evolution of gaming has... <laughs> being like, the evolution of gaming has just been about making sure that we can get better images of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh... The, the Avengers game... I'm... Excited. I'm, I'm very, very cautiously optimistic. It's, it's being... The, the trailer that we got, I didn't hate the look of it. Um, but they definitely hid any gameplay that there was. Um, it, the there whole were, thing there were like shots it, that definitely looked like gameplay. Yeah, there were shots that definitely looked like they could have been gameplay. Mm-hmm. It, it looks it looks like more like an in-engine uh, trailer than it does a gameplay trailer. There's, there's no HUD, there's no UI. Um, there are people who had hands-on with it. Um, people are saying that, you know, this character and this character feels good, but this character and this character are, they're going to, they're the ones that are going to need work before, um, before release. Well, and to, to their credit, um, they took everything that they learned that people liked and didn't like from what they saw at E3 and they're fixing it Yeah. or making adjustments or, or whatnot and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I doubt they're the one that I expect to have the least amount of change that people have pointed, pointed out, which is is funny but also sad is that you've got Captain America who's literally seems like he has his own Iron Man outfit on in terms of how bulky he is. Yeah. But then Black Widow's still in like skin tight spandex there that yeah. that's like zipped down to to nipple <laughs> to her navel pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like he's you've got him like super beefed up even though he's supposed to be super strong and then you've got normal girl is wearing the least amount. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going to wait to see what that game looks like. It's, I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, repeatable missions that you play with your friends over and over again, because this time I want to play as Iron Man and this time I want to play as Thor or Hulk. Yeah. Um, I want to wait until, I want to wait until we get closer because what I could interpret from what they were promising us mm -hmm. I guarantee you is going to be different than what they say we're going to get like two, three months out from the release date. Yeah. Like it's going to be 
because you always get the the watch. You know, you hope it's never as bad as Watchdog, mm-hmm. where they spend like two three years promoting this game and going, it's gonna do this 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 and this, and then like a month before the game comes out, okay, it's not gonna do any of that. Have fun, guys. Here you go. <laughs> um, oh wait, guys, no, we finally figured out how to do all this stuff. This will be an extra fifty bucks to be able to do all this yeah. stuff we promised. Um, you hope that it's never gonna be that, but. You know, I don't really necessarily hold my breath too tight. Um, The one thing they did say, and I'd be very curious to see if it's true, is the concept that all new characters that get added to the game will be free. free. Um, I have a hard time believing that. And it also makes me worry, because I'm hearing whispers of microtransactions for the game, and that would basically be the only way that you could get away with having full characters that you spend time developing yeah. and casting voices for be free yeah. is then having microtransactions. What worries me is if if we truly are going to get all these characters for free post-launch, that makes me very concerned as to how many characters we're going to get and how long this game will be... Uh, well, it, it sounded actually like... supported. Well, it sounded like from what they were from what they were saying because I did watch that that whole the set that section of that conference. Mm-hmm. It sounded like what they were promising is that there's going to be basically as long as the servers are up and active, there's going to be constant. Um, there is going to be a constant like here's this, here's that, like yeah. they're, they're going to. What I'm guessing is it's going to be like. Like little campaigns, whether it's like single a single map mission or whatever that you can do solo or multiplayer on. Like there will be the main storyline campaign that you can do, and then there will be a bunch of separate like DLC style missions that you can do, and that they'll be constantly adding new ones. So that way you can play things with the new characters that you get, and you can you know, play co-op with friends where you can mix up who plays as who. Yeah. The, 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 the takeaway for a lot of people for E3 this year, and it's kind of this way every year, but in past years, it seems like we have gotten announcements for games that are happening that same year. And this year, more than a lot of years previous, it seems like E3 2019 2020 is going to be great for games like Avengers, Cyberpunk tw- uh, 2077, um, f- uh, sorry, Final Fantasy 7. Like, really, any game that you're excited about, you're probably waiting until 2020 to play. Yeah. Um, Which also, like, you can get Final Fantasy 7 and the superior Final Fantasy 9. Um, where's Final Fantasy 8, though? Uh, you can get those in their original styling on Xbox right now, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with the original styling. I don't yeah. need like super fancy graphics for those. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with the graphics from the PS1 because the gameplay was still solid. Mm-hmm. That's what matters to me is the gameplay. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they've been re-released basically everywhere now. You can play mm-hmm. them on PlayStation, you can play them on Xbox, you can play them on Switch. Um, Final Fantasy VIII uh, was hung up in a lot of... Uh, licensed music that they couldn't use mm. um, and it's finally being released uh, funny enough I think next year on uh, on most systems um, see I want to see one through six now mm-hmm. um, but the thing for me is like people people's expectations are never realistic and there's 
two reasons. One, you've got to look at everything from the standpoint of how far away from the next console are we from it releasing and how far away have we gotten from when the last console launched. Yeah. So, realistically, by the end of this year, we're going to have new console stuff or whatever, Project Scarlet, you know, whatever stuff. So, of course nothing else is really going to come out this year. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Duh. That, like, you, everyone should have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, and then, really, at this point, if if you play Netflix, or if you play Netflix, if you play (laughs) Nintendo, yeah, my literal my honest question to you at this point is where do they go from here while still appealing to their fan base yeah. and that's the issue for Nintendo is yeah. they're going to be spending they're going to be probably two generations behind Xbox and PlayStation in terms of offering new consoles yeah because they're going to be trying to figure out how do we go from this like the switch is them hitting the pinnacle of what they can deliver console wise mm-hmm. to their fan base. Yeah. They don't have anywhere to go from there. Well, they've always been the people who are not concerned necessarily with the highest fidelity or like f- fast you know, biggest frame rate or anything like that. The Nintendo has always sold their hardware by selling their software. If you do not care about Pokemon or Mario in some capacity or Zelda in some capacity or Metroid, you know, because maybe we'll get another Metroid game in the next two two or three years, you you don't have a reason to have a Nintendo system. If Plain we and get, simple. If we get another Metro, if they announce a new Metro in the next year or two, we know we'll be five years from that point from another console for... Nintendo, in my opinion. Um, but no, I, I mean, with them, it's in terms of the fact that they have to try to appease what they have left of people who prefer to play console, mm-hmm. and they have to appease the people, the, the vast majority of Nintendo fans at this point, at least from what I can tell, are handhelds. Yeah. Portable handheld gamers. Yeah. And so they have to be able to appease both of them. So... They have two choices. Either one, they have to abandon console and commit 100% to Nintendo being a portable gameplay system. Yeah. Or they have to stay with this, stay with this. Yeah. Because they're... I mean, Nintendo already has the problem enough of it probably still costs 50 bucks to get a copy of Super Mario Galaxy for the Wii. Yeah. It probably still costs 50 bucks for that game. <laughs> And there's no reason. That game's a... It's a $20 game. If it's only... If it's only the first time it was traded in. Yeah. And the... They're now at the point where the Switch tax is ridiculous. Like, I want to I wanna play Resident Evil 4 on Switch. I want to play The Witcher 3 on Switch. Because it's a fucking achievement of modern science that The Witcher 3 is on Switch. Yeah. But... It's $14 on sale on PSN right now, and it's $60 retail on yeah. Switch. Because they know that people will buy it, because it's on Nintendo, and that's the Switch tax. And there's a lot of people There's a lot of people that have a Nintendo, and that's all they have. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo, like, everyone... You, you are either a diehard, ride-or-die Nintendo person, or Nintendo is your secondary console. Yeah. 
And that's how it is for me. Nintendo's yeah. my secondary console. It's Yeah, it's one or the other. That's just the way it is. But, yeah, people always... the And the other thing, and I, I used to point this out to my, my cousin all the time, when he and his friends would try to argue, especially when they were back when the Xbox One and the PS4 were going to be coming out, and they would argue about specs, like, which is better, Xbox One, Xbox, or PS4. Mm-hmm. And I flat out just kept telling them, like, it doesn't matter because you don't matter. Like, literally, if you are under 25, the video game industry is not marketing to you. Mm-hmm. Because they know you're not the one spending your money for this stuff. Yeah. So, they don't give two shits about you. Yeah. And they're, like, it's over, like, the games that we're seeing get re-releases. If you're under 25, you didn't play those games. You don't give two shits. You know? They announced, hey, we're re-releasing Crash Team Racing. Yeah. Me at thirty, you know, thirty-one years old, I'm f- so fucking excited. Yeah. Because we played that game yes. all the time in my house. Yes. Like I am ready to play that game again. I am ready to get stuck in the fucking pyramid level for ten <laughs> hours, hating my life. I am ready to watch Crash Bandicoot do his like air fucking victory <laughs> dance. Like, I am ready for that shit to be back in my life. They they sold a copy of that to me the minute they announced it. But if I ever hesitated, they won me back when they told me that Spyro is now going to be a DLC character. Because I was as soon as I heard that was announced, I was like, they're going to make Spyro a playable racer. And when they do, they've sold fucking two copies for me because I'll buy it on PlayStation and I'll buy it on Switch. I don't give a fuck. I want to play Spyro Racing Crash as many places as I can. I I got... I was sold before I even found out that they were... It was like customizable cars and yeah. costumes and shit like that. Yeah. Which really shouldn't matter. <laughs> but when you love a game, sometimes the stupid shit that don't matter is great. Like... The game that's actually a perfect example, Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. I love that game. That is one of the most underrated games of this generation's yeah. consoles. Um, I normally don't give two shits about characters' looks, anything like that. I'll usually like just kind of play with it a little bit and then go on. Even with games I love, like um, like Skyrim, mm-hmm. I'll just you know tweak it a little bit and I'll move on with my life and start actually playing the game. No, I will make sure my character is designed exactly how I fucking want him in Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> I will painstakingly buy specific stuff <coughs> from the wardrobe lady to give my guy... Like, I am proud of how my guy looks right now in my in my save of that game. I worked hard on that shit. And it's, that's what happens when you really like a game. There's all of a sudden that stupid shit that shouldn't matter. You, you just go to town on it. Yeah. Um, um, we should wrap up for people who don't like video games, unless there's any other things from E3 that excited or, or literally, surprised you. If you're, if you're still listening, you either like video games or for some reason you enjoy listening to us ramble and yell <laughs> and swear. Um, either way, you know our opinion. E3, it's always a cool time to see trailers for stuff you're excited for. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, seriously, anyone who wasn't excited... By that Battletoads trailer, I don't need to be your fucking friend. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're like you can spend the rest of your life just playing the uh, playing that fucking evil tunnel level, and 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So what have you been watching? Um, really not a whole lot. I I watched Point Break like a, almost two weeks ago now. And I, don't, I can't tell you what else I've been watching. Like, I, I watched uh, that Waking Sleeping Beauty, um, which you... Uh, let me borrow, but I still haven't finished it, so um, I'll finish it one of these days. So amazing. My kid just wants to watch more Curious Stories. Such an amazing documentary. So, But well, yes, what I've seen tell, in it, Tell great. Tarzan, Uncle Man said, let Daddy watch his movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him in his place. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, my kid. What have you, what have you been watching? Uh, Farscape. I've literally just been watching Farscape. I like I turned on. I did. Um, I did not to not to once again become an ad for someone who's not paying us. Mm-hmm. But I did recently discover that um, there's this thing called Pluto TV that's like free TV of a certain extent. Yeah. Um, really cool system that. But I discovered they have an entire channel that just plays episodes of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. <laughs> so I've had that playing constantly like if I'm really like if like if, when I'm at work and I'm doing paperwork stuff that's tedious as hell I switch that on and sit there and just listen to that and yeah. it just makes my day it makes yeah. my day go by so much smoother um I, I uh if I've been watching anything it's been E3 coverage so that's 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 fair that's why I've yeah. been uh been lapsed on watching yeah it's uh, th- there's just movies. not been a lot of free time lately for that yeah um yeah, as as we said earlier, we've been talking, you know, talking a little bit in regards to, to to the long absence since since we had our last episode. Uh, we are um, we are powwowing on ideas um, to to try to avoid that in the future, possibly like you know individually hosted mini episodes on certain weeks mm-hmm. of just one of us talking for you know half hour, forty five minutes regarding. You know, some, you know, either a specific piece of news going on in the entertainment industry or, you know, maybe talking about a TV show or a movie that we, that we just watched that we want to give a review for. Yeah. Um, like, I know, I know Duez has at least 45 minutes worth of, opi- worth of opinions about Godzilla too. Yeah. Um, no, but, I could, I could have talked, uh, Extensively, yeah. You could. On what um, what else we've been watching about Godzilla, but I figured I'd save my thoughts on that. Um, please let us know how you want us to go about um, trying to make the schedule more j- just more regulated. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that we've talked about doing is uh, having some having some episodes in the bank, um, which. It's unfortunate just from the standpoint of with those episodes, you know, obviously we wouldn't have trailers and um, movie news because mm-hmm. obviously the, you know, the episode might air months after we, we made it. But we, you know, we've talked about doing some fun, so like top fives, um, some other silly stuff like that in lieu of those things. And if you have ideas of things that you'd like to see us do whether they be lists or if you want to hear us like debate something you know if you want to hear us debate something where we can pick a movie that one of us loves and the other one hates and we debate it for 
to half an hour on the show yeah. on top of a movie that we watched. Just any ideas that you guys might have, feel free to let us know. Um, we want to make sure that we're getting this show out. You know, we've got, um, you know, we've got, this is our 13th episode. Yeah, 12 or 13. Um, every episode ha- has over a dozen listens and we could not be more grateful for that fact yeah thank you guys um so we want to make sure that for everyone who is listening we are providing continuing to provide episodes to listen to because we really enjoy doing this and uh the feedback that we that we do get we really enjoy so we want to make sure that we're we're continuing to provide that and so we're looking into ways to make sure that this doesn't happen again and any ideas that any of you have uh please let us know um, we might also occasionally do, you know, whether it's to join both of us or to join one of us when the other one's not available, having like a guest commentator. I know I have some, some close friends in LA that, that have mentioned that they'd love to, to pop onto the show to, mm-hmm. to argue with me like they used to back in college. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're typically pretty same minded. So, uh, you know, it would be nice for someone to really love Quentin Tarantino and us to try to prove them wrong. Yeah, um, <laughs> I already have I already have a friend in mind on that one if we were going to do that. Um, but yes, tell us, uh, you know, if you would hate or love the idea of one of us, you know, hosting a solo podcast for 45 minutes just tearing apart or gushing about a film. Um, let us know what trailers you would like us to talk about, what movies you'd like us to cover. Um, you can follow us at Movies Work on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Movies After Work. You can email us directly at moviesafterwork at gmail.com. Um, and just talk to us about uh, you know your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions on Point Break and anything else we've talked about and any ideas you might have. Yeah, um, you know, send send some... Send some love our way. Some send some suggestions. Um, you know we're we're enjoying doing this, and we want to see what other fun and fun and exciting things we can do. We're going to be brainstorming here over the next day or so about um, what movies to do next. I have a I have a nice little staycation happening here in a couple weeks that I'm going to be week without working, so I'm going to be watching. Plenty of movies, hopefully, during that stretch of time, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, we will definitely be brainstorming, and if you want to help us with that, uh, if anyone knows where that shower girl is from Point Break, just tell her to email us, and what is she doing? What's, she, what's her life like now? You know, if we if that was the first interview we ever did on this show, <laughs> or we just had her talk about a completely random movie, like... Can you imagine if we were like, all right, this week we're uh, we're going to be talking about the the movie Dark City, and uh, here's our guest shower girl from Point Break. How you doing? Uh, I don't even know how to explain to my wife. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna have this woman uh, that was nude for her entire performance in a movie. That I mean, we she's, she's gonna be hanging. She's gonna now, she's gonna so. be hanging out in the basement. Well, my biggest celebrity crush is Rita Marino. Uh, I think mine is Marissa Tomei. So yeah, it's, right no. See, you. for me, it's all about Rita Marino. Like, <laughs> she can still get it. You can still get it. 
And on that note. <laughs> on that note. Um, I'm Alex Duhas. I'm Thomas Green. You guys have a good day at work tomorrow and take care of yourselves. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye.